The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to Engaging Truth, the manifestation of God's Word in the lives of people around us. Join us each week as we explore the impact of His message of spiritual renewal. From the lesson of forgiveness forged in the crucible of divorce, to the message of salvation learned by an executioner from a condemned killer, to the gift of freedom found in the rescue of victims of human trafficking. This is God's Truth in Action. And welcome to another edition of Engaging Truth. I'm your host, Pastor John Kane. Joining us on the air today, we have the Reverend Michael Newman, president of the Texas District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, representing about 400 congregations. Welcome to the program, Mike. It is a joy to be with you again, John. So this month is uh, a month where we celebrate the Reformation, uh, the events that happened about 500 years ago uh, with the rediscovery of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and uh, the setting aside of much of the politics and the corruption that had crept into the organized church. So uh, you're going to tell us a little bit, I think, today about uh, some of the things that you value most about the, um, the Reformation. Uh, what, what is it that you would say that uh, resonates the most with you on this, this big topic? Well, of course, it's a huge event with implications that ripple throughout so many segments of culture and faith and life. But I'll tell you, lately, one thing I have really been focusing on are two articles of the Augsburg Confession. So, you know, that was the confession presented uh, June 25th, uh, uh, after, you know, obviously after the Reformation, but art, the Augsburg Confession, Articles 4 and 5 are the ones that really I'm resonating with most these days when it comes to a Reformation theme. So Article 4 talks about justification by faith, Article 5 talks about the means of grace. So 1530, this was a little while after Luther nailed the 95 Theses on the uh, church door, castle church door in Wittenberg, Germany. So the Augsburg Confession, what was its purpose? Why, why did they write it? Yeah, so this was, you know, obviously the confession itself was the culmination of the teaching you mentioned at the beginning here that the corruption had crept into the church, politics, uh, gosh, the message of the gospel was being obscured. And so finally, you know, as Luther nailed those 95 theses to the door and started this conversation by 1530, the confessors were ready to present, hey, this is what we believe, teach, and confess. So uh, Article 4, I'll give you the, I'm just going to read Article 4 to you, okay? All so, right. Article four is the article upon which our entire confession stands or falls. It says this, our churches teach that people cannot be justified before God by their own strength, merits, or works. People are freely justified for Christ's sake through faith when they believe that they are received into favor and that their sins are forgiven for Christ's sake by his death. Christ made satisfaction for our sins. God counts this faith for righteousness in his sight. This is huge. It is huge. It is the central teaching, not by our works, nothing we do. We don't earn or deserve it, but we are saved 
by grace, justification by grace through faith. So that's Article 4. Now, let me give you Article 5, well, too. We can take these apart, okay? Or, let or let me stop there. I, okay. I, you know, you, you mentioned this word justification. Mike, are you justified? <laughs> it's just as if I'd never sinned because of Christ. There you go. Yes. <laughs> that's the way. That is the way. Now, let me just put Article 5 out there. And of course, and we could just take apart each one. But Article 5, you know, one thing's important to know. The Augsburg Confession was written in a creedal fashion. So unfolding Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the reason the confessors did that is just try to communicate that they weren't starting something new. They weren't trying to develop a new confession that was based on just their thoughts. They were going back to the ancient Christian creeds, the Apostles' Creed primarily. And so the way the Augsburg Confession unfolds is with you know, our sin and uh, God the Father and our sin, uh, Jesus Christ, then Article 4, justification by faith, then the Holy Spirit is Article 5, and then it moves on to talk about uh, the gifts of God and the church. But Article 5 is this, so the Holy Spirit's work through the means of grace. It says, so that we may obtain this faith, the ministry of teaching the gospel and administering the sacraments was instituted through the word and sacraments, it's through instruments, the Holy Spirit is given. He works faith when and where it pleases God in those who hear the good news that God justifies those who believe that they are received into grace for Christ's sake. This happens again, not through our own merits, but for Christ's sake. So articles four and five, they have been just echoing in my mind lately because they're so important. So the Augsburg Confession, for our listeners, you can find it many, many places online. I mean, it's 500 years old. You can get a translation. It's not copyrighted anymore. And you can get it for free and, and follow along if you'd like. Um, this was presented to the chief politician of the day, the Holy Roman Emperor. And it, as you indicated, it showed that they were not uh, new. They were rather traditional. And the uh, the the restoration of biblical thinking was what this was all about. So uh, what do the articles say that's so important for us today? Well, and this is why they've been really going through in mind, you know, uh, the first thesis of Martin Luther in the 95 Theses with that was that as uh, Christians, we need to live lives of daily repentance. And just as the scriptures and the message of the gospel were in danger back in the time of the Protestant Reformation, that danger, those obstacles crop up all the time, even within the church, because we're sinners. Our default is to put obstacles in the way of this proclamation of grace alone. And so it's so important that we just go back and we emphasize these articles. So Article 4, this Justification by Faith article, gets all kinds of obstacles thrown at it. And let me just, let me mention three of them. We can talk about them a little bit. One of the obstacles is that because of our sinful nature, we tend to try to limit the atonement of Jesus Christ. And that was, of course, articulated in Calvinism, actually, you know, with a limited atonement. But the way we do it is a little more subtle, especially in this day and age. You know, sometimes we start thinking that some sins are too big or they're too difficult, or too confusing, or too scary, 
And we may say, well, you know, I don't know, how can our Savior handle that one? That's kind of a frightening one. Um, uh, Maybe that one's too tough, and those folks are on the outside, and therefore, uh, gosh, they're going to have to get their act together or do something first. So, you know, we, we limit what the cross has done and what it can do and the way it, 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 it nails every sin to the cross and the power of Jesus' resurrection. That's a huge danger. Uh, the scriptures declare so clearly, John, that there is no sin too big. Though our sins are like scarlet, you know, a stain we could never get out. We hear in Isaiah chapter one, they shall be as white as snow. So that's one of the dangers, limiting the atonement of Christ. It's power, power of the cross. So what is it about Jesus? Why does his uh, cross make such a difference? Well, that's, that's the great news we have, that he fulfilled the law perfectly, sent by God, the word became flesh. When he went to the cross, all of our sins were placed upon him. And while we would have been hopeless, deserving that death on the cross, Jesus was raised from the dead once and for all, conquering all sin and all death so that in Christ we're a new creation. You know, he's overcome it all. And that's, I think it's important for us to know. Sometimes we talk so much about what we're afraid of or things that confound us. And we forget that as people living with the benefits of Christ's resurrection, Uh, there's no obstacle too big for him. You know, we have the confidence in the atonement of Jesus Christ and that he can break all sin. He can transform every heart. Uh, So that's huge for us when it comes to, especially some of the public debates we're in or, or things we're worried about. I think there's another temptation we have or an obstacle we put in the way of article four, and that's legalism, letting legalism prevail. So I, I, I alluded to it a little earlier where we we see someone in a certain way of life or caught in a sin or whatever it may be. And our inclination is to say, well, you got you to gotta get your act together first. <laughs> you better leave this, fix your life, get holy, get pure, and then you can, you know, hear the word and you can be saved and uh, you better just get to it right now uh, because, you know, we may say those are some people who are outside and we can't really let those outsiders in because they're going to mess up this whole thing called the church. That's one of the big issues we face, legalism. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to the gospel, the 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 gift aspect of, of what we've been given. Yeah, yeah. Think about, you know, Jesus and the Samaritan woman, right? The woman at the well. Mm-hmm. Married five times, living with another guy. Jesus sat down with her, said, can I have a drink of water? And he didn't say, you know, your life is is too far gone for me. So you might as well give it up. uh, Forget it. You're out. I'm in. uh, Give me a drink of water. He didn't say that. Uh, Instead, in a beautiful, wise way, he convicted her for sin but brought the good news of the gospel to her. You know, the Bible says very clearly, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, right? Jesus was the friend of sinners. And this is, this is important for us today, too, because, 
you know, you and I could be tempted to say, I'm not going to be a friend of any sinners because I don't want to, one, be seen with them, two, have rumors start that I'm unorthodox or that I'm permissive towards sin. Uh, and we definitely can't let sinners into the church because otherwise people are going to think we're really, you know, loosey goosey here. And uh, boy, I, I mean, that that's a trap we can all fall into, isn't it? Sure is. Sure is. So you, you used a couple of terms. One is atonement. The other is uh, orthodox. Can you give us a quick definition of those? Sure. So atonement is that through the death of Jesus, we've been made one, put back into relationship with God, a loving relationship with him. Some people say, if you break the word apart, it's at one mint. God made us one with him again through Jesus. Orthodox is just, you know, straight, uh, straight doctrine, a pure doctrine, uh, doctrine that is based on the scriptures and, and uh, confesses what it says, not departing in a crooked way from what the Bible might say. So th those are a couple traps. You know, one more trap. Let me just sneak one more trap in here under Article 4, okay, John? All right. <laughs> one more trap is listening to the world's fear and hopelessness. That's one <laughs> obstacle. You know, oh, that's yeah. a big one right now. It's huge, isn't it? I mean, you and I can say, uh, and really the world says this, right? Hey, all is lost. Everything's hopeless. The church is washed up. Uh, there's no one left. Sounds like Elijah, right? Under the, you know, saying, man, there's nobody but me. And we can fall into that trap too. I, I think uh, if you listen to the news cycle, 24 hour news cycle, you could come away thinking, wow, this is, this is, you know, God's cause is done. And that's one thing we, we can dilute the power of justification by grace through faith by saying it can't hold sway anymore because our world is too tough. You know, that's, that's a huge obstacle we can throw out there. So as opposed to being managed by fear and confusion um, from the voices of the world that we hear, um, how, how does God intersect our world and lift us out of this brokenness and get our eyes back on his wholesomeness? Yeah, that's, that's what I love, I think, about Article 4, this justification by faith, that it is by the death of Jesus Christ, he made satisfaction for our sins. God counts this faith for righteousness, received into favor, not by our works. So, uh, again, Look at what Jesus did. You know, we're driven right back to the word of God, aren't we? And that's why Article 5 is so important. We're driven right back to the means of grace, the uh, word of God, our baptisms, uh, the Lord's Supper, that it's God doing the work. And the one who conquered death, the one for whom nothing is impossible, overcomes everything we might consider hopeless or too hard or too difficult. It's so important for the church not to believe, you know, the press out there, the narrative out there that um, everything is just bad and hopeless, but we bring the hope and life. And we're really here to set the new narrative, aren't we? To, to raise the narrative and say, hey, if you've hit the walls, all the obstacles the world throws at you, um, we've got something better for you. And it is the narrative of God's grace that he overcomes all things in Christ and that we live in him. It's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. And so, man, we just can't lose hope as a church or as pastors or as lay people. 
And we need to be able to say, hey, we, we're bringing exactly what the world needs. And this is an opportunity because when everything's falling down around us, well, guess what? God's opened the door for people's hearts to be receptive to hear the good news. So we've heard that there's about 50 ships off the coast of California waiting to be unloaded. And when you say means of grace, I think of God's distribution system. Uh, no shortages with God. Um, we just uh, need to know where he has told us to find him, where he promises to be. Uh, so what would you encourage people with uh, when it comes to uh, meeting God where he says he is? Well, and this, this really brings us right into Article 5 and why it's so important for us today as well, because these are the means of grace, the distribution system. And let's just, let's just start with the word of God. So, you know, one thing we have such great confidence in is that God meets us in his word. It is a life-giving word, living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword we hear in Hebrews chapter four, just digs down into our joints and marrow, hearts and souls. And, you know, one of the myths we may think is, well, the word is weak. People are moving away from the Bible. They don't want to hear God's word. But I'll tell you, equipped with this sword of the spirit, we, we not only receive this peace and strength and blessing for our own hearts and souls and our own witness, but we receive a tool, an instrument that we can bring to people who are hopeless or, or ensnared in sin and bring the word of God that Jesus is our hope, that in Christ we're a new creation. You know, bring the actual word of God and it digs deeply into people's hearts and changes their hearts. You know, that's the fallacy about saying you have to get your act together first, you know, legalism. The truth is, like Jesus, you bring the word to a person's life and it starts to set their heart right and it starts that transformation. So you know, that, I, I, that distribution system of the word is so important for us and for our message. And I think the other obstacle or risk we might say about Article 5 is, well, the word is at risk. You know, won't it fall apart if we bring it into unholy surroundings or won't it be corrupted by heretics or unbelievers or enemies? And of course, we need to guard the word of truth. But the first thing God wants us to do with it is to steward it faithfully, because, you know, as the scriptures say, the grass withers and the flower fades, ships are going to sink and the products they're delivering are going to wear out. But the word of God stands forever. So, you know, great confidence in the word. We'll come back to uh, President Newman in just a moment. But first, I'd like to invite our listeners to our uh, website. First thing is to uh, visit elmhouston.org. And there at uh, elmhouston.org, you'll find information about us. You'll find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube pages. You'll also find ways to support our program, this program that you are listening to. We have a 501c3 tax-exempt status from the IRS. And all of our on-the-air hosts are volunteers. So your tax-deductible donations go far to purchase broad broadcast airtime. We're back to President Newman. So, Mike, we're talking about this the rediscovery of the nature of our relationship with God. It's not legalistic. We can't uh, get our lives right, because if we could do that on our own, we wouldn't have needed 
Jesus to come and be our Savior. So um, as we consider this, um, this gift, which is what the Bible says it is about a dozen times, calls it a gift from God, um, what words of encouragement do you have to, you know, to people who've been isolated, broken, hurt, um, depressed, uh, scared, all of the emotions that we've had over the last two years. What difference does this gospel message have? Yeah, it's a great question. And we really have been facing these challenging times and people have their hearts broken because of grief. Uh, there's so much worry. There's so much fear. One verse, a Bible verse that echoes through the history of our church body and through the Christian church is from Isaiah 55. Uh, you know, you're familiar with the section when God talks about his word and he says, my word does not return to me empty, but accomplishes that for which I sent it. This active, beautiful work of the word of God, like the rain and snow that come down from heaven and bring growth. That's what God's word does. And I think this is a huge encouragement for all of us that the word of God is not diminishing. The church is not going to fold up and die. The gates of hell, Jesus said, can't prevail against the movement of the church. And the message of the church, the message of God's people, is this message of grace through Jesus Christ's death on the cross and resurrection from the grave. This message that does bring hope and transformation and eternal life to all people. Uh, this message that really gets through and that will shine a bright light into all the darkness we experience. And this is not a time in history where we need to shrink back or circle the wagons or somehow believe that everything's done and over with. In fact, this is God's great opportunity. Jesus said, when you see all these signs of the end times and difficulties coming up, should you hang your heads? He said, no, lift up your heads because salvation, your salvation is drawing near. And uh, I think for all of us, it's a time where God will equip us and give us opportunities and the word to share with people so that they can receive this great gift. The other, the other thing is so important for us to know, John, is that every listener needs to understand that Jesus died for each one of them. Jesus died for you, for me, for every listener. He died in rows. He wrote your story of grace. He wrote my story of grace. And I needed him to write it because, you know, my life is a shambles, broken, sinful mess too. And I look at my history and I say, whoa, Jesus wrote his story of grace out of my sinful material. He, he's done that for everyone. And he can do that for every listener, no, ma no matter how far they think they're gone or how much they feel shame about their past or present or how enslaved they feel to an addiction or a practice. Jesus writes stories of grace. And so if every listener can take a deep breath and not lose confidence in this great blessing of salvation while we were dead in our sins, God made us alive in Christ, and the delivery system of the living word they're hearing right now over the radio or through a podcast in the means of grace. And it, with that confidence then, with that gift, that joy, 
if every listener could also say, I'm not going to hide this under a bushel because Jesus has made me a light in this world. I'm going to use these tools God has given me. I'm going to use this delivery system. And through me, I'm going to share hope with my family, my loved ones, my neighbors, and the people around me. I think that that is the most important encouragement we could hear today. Well, we've been talking with uh, President Michael Newman, president of the Texas District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Thank you for spending your time with us today, President Newman. John, it's always a joy. God bless you. God bless you too. And join us again real soon for another edition of Engaging Truth. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this broadcast of Engaging Truth. Be sure to join us each week at this time. To help support our ministry, contact Evangelical Life Ministries, Post Office Box 568, Cypress, Texas, 77410, or visit our website at elmhouston.org, or find us on Facebook at Evangelical Life Ministries. Thank you.